A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. What's up, everyone? Welcome back for a brand new edition of Collider Ladies Night Pre-Party. And I just can't even to put, put into words right now clearly how enthusiastic I am about having Hong Chow on this show right now. You are so, so good in the menu and so, so good in the whale. Everyone out there is going to hear your name a whole lot in the next couple of weeks and months, and I'm very much here for it. Wow. Thank you for that introduction. I got to give you a <laughs> oh, I'll take that. All right. So every ladies night conversation begins here. What was the movie, the performance or personal experience that first made you say to yourself, I have to be an actor and nothing else? Oh, my gosh. You know, I don't uh, I still struggle with with saying that I'm an actor. Sometimes I feel like uh, I'm not. <laughs> I just, I never intended on being an actor. I went to school and studied film production. I intended on being on the other side of the camera. Uh, I thought maybe I would be an editor or something very solitary. And somehow I ended up in front of the camera. I think it, uh, I fell into it. I started off doing little student films um, for, for my classmates when I was at BU. And I was a very introverted person. And I think the comments from the film professors um, sort of started planting little seeds and ideas in my head. I think there was this um, something surprising about seeing the girl who like would never raise her hand or speak in class suddenly be in this film and, and doing things and saying things. So I think I just kind of liked uh, surprising people. Oh, I have so many follow-up questions. I love talking about someone's experience in school because school's important for some, not for others. But in particular, there was one thing that like caught my eye while I was reading your Wikipedia page. It said that you you started by pursuing uh, creative writing at BU, but then opted to change your major to film studies. And it said you specifically did that because your parents wanted you to explore something more practical. At that time, what did they think was more practical about film studies? Oh, they didn't think it was more practical. I thought it was more. Okay. That's how little I knew about the film industry and how difficult it is to get an actual job. I thought I thought it would be easy to get a job <laughs> in film and television afterwards. You know, I 
I don't know. I thought it was like uh, something like working at a, a, a TV repair shop or something like that. I thought I would learn like a, a physical, tangible skill that you could just, you know, hand somebody a resume and say, hey, I went to film school, uh, hire me. And, and that would be it. I did not realize how long it would take and how uh, unclear the path is for for people who want to work in film. Um, you know, maybe if you have friends or family members who can sh- sort of sort of give you like a shortcut or or um, you know um, make that path a little easier for you. It's really difficult for most people. Most people don't end up working in film. The the ones who go to film school. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I I went to one film school program and most of the people that I went with are still working in the industry. And I I just like I take such great pride in that because I know how talented they are and I know how difficult it can be. And they they really fought for it and they did it. Yeah, it's also interesting that a lot of successful people didn't go to film school. And I wonder if. I wonder what's going on there because I wonder if it's just a sense of um, belief that that it's going to be okay, that it's going to work out for you. And I don't know if that's a a confidence of self or just like naivete, you know? Um, Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. But I like that you can come to film and not have had formal training. Um, but I also love the people who are veteran theater actors who who approach this in a very uh, different way. I think there are things to learn from from both sides. That's why I always love bringing up school or choosing not to go to school because there's so many different paths and techniques out there. Actually, speaking of different techniques, so I was reading that you studied in BU and then you studied acting more in New York City, but the piece I read didn't elaborate on that. So how did you figure out the right place to train and the right technique to study when you did that? Um, Well, I don't know who wrote this Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) that's what ladies night is about so we can fix it and make it more informative and accurate (laughs) i didn't do training i um like i said i was very introverted and i had a hard time just talking just speaking and i recognized that that was a problem and that was going to hold me back in life and so i started to take public speaking classes (laughs) yeah it was hard um And then that led me to taking improv classes and I hated it. Oh my gosh. Oh, Perry, when I tell you how much I hate it, I felt nauseous before every class. And then sometimes afterwards too, because I was so petrified uh, and just, I just had a hard time spitting anything out of my mouth. It was that bad. And I, I do credit myself and I give myself a pat on the back for sticking with it even though I felt so horrible every time um, I just stuck with it and I don't know if I was particularly funny or good but for some reason for some reason the improv teacher that I had in New York um, was really supportive and encouraging and she um, told me to stick with it and I don't know she just saw something in me that I didn't see in myself yet. And, and so then that led me to just 
keep taking more little classes like that. So I never had like formal acting training per se. It was just more of like little exercises like that. And um, I met a uh, sitcom television director uh, and she for some reason told me that I should move to LA and she gave me her number and told me to contact her and she would meet me for coffee and answer any questions if, if, you know, I, I ever made it out there. And so I, I took that and ran with it. <laughs> oh, that's such a good person to have encountered. So, so you moved to LA when you first get out there and you get all the information that you can from her, what did you think was step one to starting a career as a working actor? And then ultimately, did you find that that step worked or did you discover something else that you would recommend to budding actors out there? Oh, gosh. You know, I went to L.A. right before the writer's strike happened. So then everything shut down. So there was nothing going on for like like a year and a half or something. And and then um, and then just trying to get my footing. L.A. is a big town, you know, and uh, I I look how I look <laughs> and, you know, that uh doesn't really serve me in in some ways um and so it just took a while it took a really really long time just to um find find people who uh wanted to to buy what i was selling you know i i was lucky to have an agent but i was in the youth department of this agency for a really long time because nobody in the adult agency wanted to take me on so i was just kind of trapped in in the youth department of this agency for a while and i was getting sent out on like nickelodeon auditions um disney shows for like little kids like hannah montana type shows for a really long time and I didn't book any of those. And so because I didn't book those, I thought, gosh, I must be bad <laughs> if, oh if I can't even book like a, you know, like a two line role on these, these little shows. So I think that, you know, it's all, when they say that it's based on luck, I think you have to, it's, it's really who you end up aligning yourself with, you know, and I just wasn't with the right agency or, or people who like saw me, you know, I think they just saw like, Oh, here's a, a an Asian gal who can maybe play the barista or uh, a waitress in, in something, you know, and that was, that was about it. They didn't really see much more for me. And in, in some ways that sort of uh, colors, how you start to think about yourself, you know? Um, but I've always loved, uh, strange sort of art house films and so you know even though I wasn't you know booking anything I was just feeding myself and keeping the dream alive by watching these really beautiful strange films and just hoping that I would one day get to be in in those types of things so I don't want to get too um uh, LA about about it you know but I think I think it's important for people to not not be specific about what they want, but to, to, um, to keep going in the direction and, and keep trying to, to fill their lives with, with things that they genuinely enjoy and appreciate. And 
I think by laws of attraction that that you know it'll it'll somehow come back to you maybe not in the form that you were envisioning or that you wanted but in some way it'll it'll come into your life so you got kind of stuck in that that agency where they didn't really see you and your talent and what you wanted to do who was the person that stepped into your life maybe that kind of started to bring in these these auditions and opportunities that we see you excelling in now it's been a very organic process and and I'm happy for it even though it took a while for me to get my acting career going I I I was just struggling to aud- get auditions for anything I think I was auditioning once every few months every few months like yeah i would get like one audition like every three months and that in comparison to other people who were like auditioning several times a week you know so it was just even getting in my foot in the door even getting into the room was was a big hurdle for me um and it was just about trying to get one of those land one of those jobs um and i think Treme was like a big deal for me, not only because it was so close to how I was brought up, so close to my own biography, um, but just that it was such a well-respected show and with like really great writing and, and great characters. So that didn't help me professionally per se, because uh, again, it's like a, a show that not everybody watched even though The Wire was a very uh, popular show, even The Wire took a couple of seasons to get going before people caught on to it. And I think because Treme was so different from The Wire, people just weren't interested in it. And so it just, you know, it didn't like, you know, shoot me out of a cannon the way that like I would have hoped. And so then a a while passed and and finally I got an audition for uh inherent vice and that you know um fed me as a person as as an as an actor to keep me going but again didn't do anything for me professionally because it was like a weird <laughs> a weird art house movie that was a, you know this great commercial success so again I found myself just kind of uh, struggling and and aloof uh, after I did Inherent Vice. But, you know, for me, looking at it, I was like, gosh, I did Treme. I did Inherent Vice. I worked on this Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Like, what's a girl got to do <laughs> to get anywhere? And it took a while. It, it really took a while. Um, and, you know, I was I was lucky in that the things that I got were for roles that... Um, they kind of had to see everybody for, uh, like meaning, um, people who weren't like already famous, <laughs> you know, like with my role on Treme, I mean, it's like the Vietnamese daughter of a shrimper, like, <laughs> you know, they kind of have to look at everybody's tape for that. And then again, for inherent vice, uh, she was a, a, a sex worker. And so they were kind of open to seeing everybody. And, and it was funny, the casting director told me that she saw literally every single Asian actress from like a certain age range from both coasts. Like she was going out and, um, 
like looking at non-actors and everything. And so I just felt like, oh, thank God, you know, that they were doing that, like really uh, hitting, like pounding the pavement, looking for the non-obvious people or people who, you know, didn't have representation or didn't have uh, a huge resume behind them. Um, And again, the same thing with downsizing. So Inherent Vice was my first film and then Downsizing was my second film. And that was also another experience where, or or another um, uh, opportunity where they were seeing everybody for that. Um, I, after I had auditioned for downsizing, um, <laughs> I don't remember who it was. I don't know if it was my brother or like somebody else, like from my family sent me uh, something that they saw on the internet that was just like an open casting call. And it was like in Vietnam, you know, uh, where they were just looking for non-actors. Like it said specifically, you do not have to be an actor. You just have to talk about yourself uh, on tape and uh will contact you and so that was just like uh, that was so hard for me to see because it was just like i'm an actor i have been trying to be an actor and trying to get somewhere for like a decade now and they're literally they're just they're literally seeing like anybody and anybody could get this job so it was really hard you know um but thankfully I did end up with a role and, and it was, it was things like that, that, um, that got my career going. I think people or the industry, um, first became aware of me because of downsizing, because that was a big studio movie. Um, we had a huge movie star in it, Matt Damon. So, and also Alexander Payne. So I think it was a movie that people paid attention to. And, uh, in that way, I, I got to be exposed to, to, uh, more. I could talk to you all day. We only have five minutes left and I have to touch on the menu. We're talking again for the whale soon. So I'll at least file those questions away for next time. But just to tap into the menu a little before they kick me out of here. Um, first, just to tease how how Elsa kind of plays into this whole group there. What do you think that she thinks her greatest strength is? her greatest asset at the very beginning of the movie, but then also what what ultimately is her greatest weakness, something that even though she exudes strength throughout the film could make her vulnerable amidst all the chaos that's unfolding. Um, I think her greatest strength she thinks is her loyalty and um, her reliability because she does everything for Chef Slowick. He might be the, the headmast and the leader um, and the face of of that operation, but she's the one who keeps everything going. So I think that's her strength. Other people might say that that's a weakness to be a good follower, you know. But where <laughs> where where are leaders without followers, without devotees? And so you know, you have like if you look at um, uh, like an evangelical preacher. The only reason why he's there or she's there is because they've got this whole room full of people devoted to to what their message is. So um, you can look at it either way. 
All right, I'm going to try to squeeze in one more big one because it's a, a really unusual way you all got to film this movie. It's basically like an acting masterclass where you have all these exceptional actors around you and you're all mostly on set together for the entire shoot. So to highlight the variety of techniques out there, can you give me two other cast members of the menu with two completely opposite approaches to the work where when you got to see them in the spotlight, you knew that you were going to have like an entirely different experience uh i guess observing two different performers oh my gosh um john leguizamo is such an amazing improviser he's just a he's just a life force he's he's an amazing person to be around he's so funny he cannot sit still he can't be quiet he's just like always like on and just going and it's super fun to be around him he keeps the energy up on set and it's really fun to be in a scene with him because Mark asked us to improvise uh, because he was shooting 360. And so a lot of it is scripted, but a lot of the connecting bits have to be improvised. And it's just, you never know what you're going to get with John Leguizamo. And, and that's really fun because I don't think I'm a particularly good improviser, um, but it's, it's fun to get to do it with John Leguizamo. And then um, the other highlight for me was uh, Judith Light, who I've been a fan of since a child, but I've also seen her on stage and she's amazing. And she's just, she just has a different energy about her, you know, where it's just so committed and um, that you just lock into that energy. So, I mean, two wildly uh, different different energies there. All right. They're making me leave. I have to say goodbye, but I'm going to say huge, huge, huge congratulations on the menu. I'm so good. To, I'm glad we get to talk again for the whale because there's so much more of your journey we haven't tapped into. But I know I know it took longer than it should have. But like you are here and you're excelling in a way that in every movie I see you in feels so uniquely you. And that makes me more excited than anything. So congratulations. Thank you, Perry. Thank you so much. I look forward to speaking with you. Yes. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 